0: And load. This is Steve Dace. The
1: Steve Dace Show.
2: And greetings. Happy Friday. Thanks for joining us here today, live and on demand on The Blaze. I'm Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me. We have a special guest with us for the first hour today Nate Madden, our congressional correspondent at The Blaze. We'll be hearing more from all three here in just a moment. But if you want to let us know what you think about what we think, it is a Feedback Friday, by the way. We'll be getting to your feedback that you've sent to us recently a little bit later on in the show. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E for those of you listening on Blaze Radio or via podcast. And if you are listening on podcast today, if you wouldn't mind leaving us one of those cherished five-star reviews, we would appreciate that. Thank you to the thousands of you that have done this as well. You can also like us on facebook just like us there a lot because they don't like us on facebook uh you can also follow us on twitter at steve dace show i mentioned feedback friday is coming your way um a couple of truth we're gonna, we're gonna drop two truth bombs i i just decided a few minutes ago a couple of a, a little housekeeping things that i think we need to address uh with the audience we'll get to those and more a little bit later on but first we begin with the dace group Your weekly look at the week that was brought to you by our friends at RidUZone. If you're one of those 80% of people studies say have fallen down, have given up on that New Year's resolution to get healthier this year, Uh, there may be a reason why. And it might not just be you suck because sometimes we do. You know, I mean, sometimes we just don't do what we resolved to do at the beginning of the year and uh, just go back to the bad habits that we said we wanted to get rid of once and for all. You know what, though? As we get older, it gets harder to get healthier. Our metabolisms just ain't what they used to be. That's why I want to introduce you to Riduzone. Now, here's what it's not. It's not a stimulant. If you turn over the bottle, I think there's three or four ingredients, and one of them's rice. And one of the main substances that makes up Riduzone is called OEA, and this is uh, one of the main ingredients in Olive oil. It's something our bodies produce, especially uh, more of it uh, when we're younger, just not as much when we're older. And, you know, here's what it does for you. On one end, it'll help stoke that metabolism that has laid dormant for so long. That's one of the reasons why we put on all that weight. The other thing it'll do, though, is we get it going and then may, we may overeat, which may limit the results that we want. So it'll send your body that signal hey, I'm full. You can stop eating now. If you want to give this a shot, You want to get back on the wagon. You want to say, hey, I resolve to win the Battle of the Bulge this year. Give Riduzone a try. You can get 30% off a three-month supply right now if you use my name as a promo code, Steve. All right, so you can do this. Go to the store right now, buy an entire bottle of olive oil, and drink that every day. Or you can get the exact same amount of OEA and one capsule of Riduzone at riduzone.com. That's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, promo code Steve, at checkout. Let's get to issue one. Bleep, Democrats
3: say. All of what you're about to see and hear happened in recent days. Bernie Sanders says, I wrote a best-selling book. If you write a best-selling book, you can be a millionaire too. Kirsten Gillibrand posts a video of herself hitting a softball with the caption, getting ready for tonight's CNN town hall. Let's
0: be really clear about what the issue is. It's the NRA and its greed. The NRA is largely funded by the gun manufacturers. The gun manufacturers want to make money at all costs. It doesn't matter who they're selling the gun to. The reason why they're against universal background checks is they want to sell a weapon to somebody on the terror watch list. They want to sell a weapon to someone gravely mentally ill with a violent background. They want to sell a weapon to someone with a criminal conviction for a violent crime. The U.S.-Israel relationship is one of the most important relationships that we have on the planet. And that relationship, if it is to be successful, must transcend partisanship in the United States And it must be able to transcend a prime minister who is uh, racist uh, as he warns about Arabs coming to the polls. It gives me no pleasure to tell you that we have a president today who is a racist, who is a sexist, who is a homophobe, who is a xenophobe and who is a religious bigot.
4: That the feeling from this administration is, is that we are in a full-blown crisis and that they are overwhelmed
5: by it. How do you think they uh, you
0: know no, I don't believe their narrative. Uh, I don't believe the BS. Even though we weren't there in past generations, we've inherited a lot of moral assets.
3: But you know what? We've also inherited some moral debts. And one of those debts that we've never paid is the debt for that original sin of slavery.
0: By the way, he gave me permission to touch him. Hey, guys. So I'm running about three more miles. This is America. We know our history. This is a time to stand up to speak up, to rise up, because when we stand as Americans, when we join together and fight together and work together, no filibuster can stop us. We ushered in civil rights, women's rights, workers' rights, and in this era, if we organize again, we are going to bring a progressive agenda to this country and move it forward for everyone, no matter who's in the Senate.
3: By the way, I limited myself to just presidential candidates and just from like the last week and a half. Just want to throw that out there.
2: That's that's an important clarification. And if you want this week's metaphor alert, Kirsten Gillibrand hitting softballs before she goes on a CNN town hall. Yeah.
4: Some, Some of these headlines just
2: write themselves, boys. They just write them freaking selves. All right, let's get to the first question. What was your favorite crazy thing said by a Democrat presidential candidate in Aaron's
4: intro and why and Todd I'll start with you but I'm glad he put out the caveat because we know what Omar's been saying the last couple days and good grief you know it it was the very first thing and it was it it was just the quote it wasn't him speaking so it might slide past but I think pound for pound the craziest thing is Bernie Sanders saying well you could be a millionaire too if you wrote a best-selling book I mean he went full on Milton Friedman right there I I, I I said a while ago that you know Bernie Sanders is a true believer, and I guess I have to pull back on that a, a little bit. I he's cl- he's closer to true believer, I still think, than uh, many of the frauds and hucksters in politics in general. No what no matter what side you're on, I mean he's been at this shtick for a long time, but for him to lay that one down, man, I mean that's. Uh, I'm surprised that an unmarked van with some uh, Stasi socialists in whatever group governs this thing didn't pull up to his house or one of his three houses, remember, and just beat him with a sock full of nickels for a while and say, you know, do you understand what you just said? Because that that does not compute. I mean, he he he's like that. Ronald Reagan used to have dreams like uh, uh, saying things like that. Okay. Bernie, I mean, if you really are all in on this thing, people got to believe that you're not like 80 years old and go and see now. You got to come correct and right quick.
1: Nate, what was your favorite dose of crazy? Um, I got to side with Todd on here, just going going for the pound for pound thing. I would also add that it really does drive home that Bernie Sanders is a true believer in socialism, or rather – that he is a true socialist, and that he became a millionaire, and that all of a sudden a different set of rules applied for him.
2: Mm, uh, but I'm
1: bum. <laughs> Well played. Of, that's the history of socialism. Yeah, I mean, you got Nicolas Maduro having having steaks in Miami at Salt Bay, and you know, smoking cigars, yeah, you know, while everybody else is eating dog. That's the history of socialism. And this is he comes from a long, proud tradition of wealthy socialist hypocrites.
2: Aaron, uh, what was your favorite crazy in your own mon- in your own uh, montage there?
3: Uh, I I will echo slightly it's not my favorite moment but uh, echo slightly um, we had bernie sanders slam open borders i didn't have that in there slam open borders this week uh, and endorse socialism or endorse capitalism this week that is like he is he is to the right of some republicans guys on 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 those two issues my favorite one <laughs> though is is the ongoing convers conversation just having a conversation about reparations i mean there is as if as if there weren't enough issues for Democrat presidential candidates to say, no, 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 I'm to the left. No, 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 I'm to the left. You know what the definition of insanity is? I mean it is it is remarkable and yet they have – Elizabeth Warren has been talking about this. I think Cory Booker talked about it at one point. Now uh, Julian Castro is talking about uh, reparations. That is my favorite one because they, they are looking and they will – I mean they will follow through with this. Uh, If they were, you know, in any semblance of power whatsoever, but I mean, maybe, maybe I've just had my head in the sand, but have reparations ever been seriously considered by a major uh, uh, party's, um, you know, candidates for, for president? I'm not sure if that's ever been the case. You know, I don't know that it's the
2: craziest, but it's the, uh, it's the crushiest. Is that a word? I just made it up watching for me anyway um watching bernie sanders so we all took the same guy um but i'm i'm going to go with a different a different clip to it's 2019 and i hate that argument in general cuz usually the argument is hey, it, it, you know, uh, why haven't we advanced forward? Because uh, normally when that argument is made about what year it is and why haven't advanced forward, it's really uh, regressives pretending to be progressives that really want to advance backwards to what, you know, Western civilization was, uh, you know, pre-Judeo-Christian morality. They want to go back to barbarism, basically. But in this case, it's, it's 2019. We have the most educated, the most enlightened, the most racially diverse ethnically diverse religiously diverse society that has ever been permitted to arise in the history of human civilization we have the most profitable the most the healthiest the longest standard of living could i should i continue and and if analysts i respect are tr- are right that he is a major contender to be the nominee for the Democratic Party. We are going to really have a debate in 2019 that who's a better, bigger racist. Not, not even the arguments we've heard most of my career, that your policies are bad for black people. My policies are better for Hispanics. No, you fundamentally are a racist. You fundamentally are a xenophobe. You fundamentally are a religious bigot. You fundamentally are a homophobe. Because once we begin to say comprehensively that that's who you are because your views don't align with mine, understand that is rat poison that you're injecting into a culture. Because you are, you are, you are turning your partisans into jihadists with that kind of language. And when the 80 year old socialist goes away, those, the damage done does not that, that sets the baseline for what will come
4: after. Yeah. They're throwing bleach today. Yes. um, Yes. Daily wire correspondence. That's civil war stuff guys. And, and, uh, and to borrow a phrase
2: from Bernie, it gives me no joy to tell you this. No joy at all. Any thoughts on that? Anybody?
1: I mean, my caveat to people who seem to want to start a civil war, and again, I I take no joy in saying this is really, I'm like begging and pleading with tears in my eyes on this. Do not try to start a civil war with people who are going to be better at it than you.
2: Right. I've never seen a revolution. Just to show you how regressively dumb these progressives are. Ignorant of history. They're literally trying to, sp- to, to, to stoke a civil war with the people who actually have the guns. Who does this? Right. Who, when has this ever happened in all of human history? Let's, let's start a war with the people that are
3: better armed than us. Who does this? People who, um, as Todd in the example that he cited, tried to spray Michael Knowles uh, from the Daily Wire with a super soaker supposedly filled with uh, bleach. Those are the type of people. Here's a question: If
2: the damage the Democratic presidential field has done pushing themselves outside the mainstream for a general election already, if it were a Pink Floyd song, which Pink Floyd song would it be? A. Shine on you crazy diamond, meaning no damage at all. YOLO, you do you. B. Comfortably none, numb, meaning the public's not paying attention right now, so it's irrelevant. Or C. Us and them, meaning. They're driving a wedge between themselves and the mainstream because this is all going on the record. What do you think, Todd?
4: I'm counting on it eventually being C, but just to be honest about what we talk about all the time, I think I've got to go with B. What do you think,
1: Nate? I think the answer is D, brain damage. I mean, like mm. it's it's we, we live in an age of insanity. I mean, the, the lunatic is on the grass. The lunatic is in the college campus dri- driving the curriculum. The lunatic is spraying people with a super soaker. The lunatic is running for president. I mean, it's, we, we, there's just this wide, str- they're, they're making madness mainstream. And that's been, that's been the goal of this of, of that's the well said. experiment. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. It, it's like you said, we've got this rat poison in our culture. We've got people who are trying to start a civil war with people who are going to be objectively better at killing people and breaking things than the people on the other side of the civil war. And every day we sink further into this hole. I, I, you know, I get further and further down deeper into my resolve to just hole up. And retreat into a heavily fortified Benedict Option compound somewhere in the Appalachian Mountains.
2: And keep in mind, it's it's not even yet been two years that Bernie Sanders watched one of his supporters that he's rallied with this yep. kind of rhetoric travel down to a suburban ball field in Washington D.C. and open fire and try to kill about ten percent of the Republican congressional delegation. And he would have done it if 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 Steve Scalise had not had, had not. Had 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 not shown up because that's where the security detail came from. As a member of mm-hmm. leadership, those guys would all be dead, probably. Yeah. Aaron uh,
3: and because of what Nate just said, um, the left doesn't really care about whether or not the public is paying attention, so it has to be C. Let's get to issue two: raising the bar. After all, but clearing Donald Trump of obstruction and collusion with Russia in his summary of the Mueller report, Attorney General Bill Barr was back at it this week.
5: I wonder if you can share with this committee who's on that team, why you felt a need to form that kind of a team, and what you intend to be the scope of their investigation. Yeah, I, uh, as I said in my confirmation hearing, uh, I am gonna be reviewing uh, both the genesis and the conduct of intelligence activities directed uh, at the, the Trump campaign during 2016. Uh, And uh, a lot has already been, a lot of this has already been investigated and a substantial portion of it has been investigated and is being investigated by uh, the Office of uh, Inspector General at the department. Uh, But one of the things I want to do is pull together all the information from the various investigations that have gone on, including on the Hill uh, and in the department and uh, see if there are any remaining questions uh, to be addressed. And can you share with us why you feel a need to do that? Well, uh, you know, for the, same, well, for the same reason we're worried about foreign uh, influence in elections. We want to make sure that uh, during an election, I think spying on a political campaign is a big deal. It's a big deal. Uh, generation I grew up in, which was the Vietnam War uh, period. You know, people were all concerned about spying on uh, anti-war people and so forth by the government, and there were a lot of rules put in place to make sure that there's an adequate basis before before our law enforcement agencies get involved in poli- you know political uh, surveillance. I'm not suggesting that uh, those rules were violated, but I think it's important. look at that. And I'm not just, I'm not talking about the FBI, uh, necessarily, but intelligence agencies more broadly. So you're not, you're not suggesting, though, that spying occurred? I don't, uh, well, uh, I guess you could, I I think there was, spying did occur. Yes, I think spying did occur.
2: So. The opening question I'm going to ask you and let me set up why I framed the question this way. My very first job in radio full time. I didn't realize how dysfunctional and and it was until I got to another job and you know that was it was in a it went into receivership, which is you know the bankruptcy court, and they appoint you know a trustee to oversee it. We were we literally had a expansion draft of who to submit to, that could be laid off this week. I mean it was a ton of dysfunction. And, and my very first program director, Johnny Wright, looked at me one day and said, he was a grizzled radio veteran. He said, you won't realize how bad this really is here until you go work someplace else that's actually professionally run. And with that backdrop, let me ask this question. Because at times, I've been very critical of the way that the president treated Jeff Sessions when he was the attorney general. And I'm perfectly willing to hold my views as accountable as I hold other people's views on this show. Given the performance we have seen from Bill Barr so far as attorney general, and even there you watch that clip, the stoicism, the the, 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 the total control of the conversation. It's like... Hey, an adult walked in. Is it possible that Trump's frequent criticism of Jeff Sessions, Let's and I'm going to set aside for a second, should a president say those things out loud about his AG? Because much of, I'm tired of the whole Trump violating social norms debate. All right? Many of those norms are set by people that wrecked the country. I'm talking, let's talk, let's stick to the fundamentals, or would like to wreck the country if they could. Let's stick to the fundamentals. Is it possible on a fundamental level, that Bill Barr is proving that Trump's frequent criticisms of Jeff Sessions were justified. Aaron, let me start with you.
3: I'm going to say yes. When you are the Attorney General of the United States, you are the head of what department? Justice. You are, a he- you are, um, you are the head of the Justice Department. Um, when seeking justice, it is... Um, let's put it this way, beneficial for one to have their eyes wide open. In hindsight now, seeing what we've seen from Bill Barr over the last few weeks, last couple weeks, he has made it appear that uh, Jeff Sessions was completely out of touch with the issues of the day. And part of that is because he recused himself, but part of it is just um, I, I keep on having flashbacks to it's kind of hurtful when uh, when asked about President Trump's criticisms. And I think the action and the total control, that you mentioned, that Bill Barr has been taking, and he's formed this uh, apparently this task force to investigate uh, further, and he explained it in more detail in that clip, the origins of some of the surveillance uh, that has been widely panned and criticized by the right, um, he is actually appears – to actually want justice and to just be a freaking professional about all of Especially
2: that last thing you just said. Could you ever imagine Bill Barr? He's been on the job for three weeks. Yeah. Aaron, could you imagine him doing an interview? That was just really hurtful. Yeah. Could you
3: imagine him even saying those words no. in any context at all? No, and it's it. What is what's really odd about this and really frustrating as well uh, is that Jeff Sessions was one was a guy that we were all kind of looking forward sure. to being an attack. I talk. thought he was one of the best it,
2: appointments that they they made originally. Yeah. Yeah. but
3: looking back now, I mean, what really? I mean, we got there was a lot of news about marijuana and. You know, uh, criminal... Civil asset civil civil forfeiture, affects- which we oppose that. Yeah. Forfeiture. What well, yeah. in the world was he doing all of this time? We've gotten more just... I, it, I don't care. He helped us I on the care. religious
2: liberty order. I'll give I, him credit for
3: that. He I did help us on that. I don't care um, whether... Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I don't care what you think about the, 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 the summary report of the Mueller findings. What you have seen is somebody who actually has their eyes open. And I know Lady Justice is supposedly, you know, blindfolded, but... Uh, Somebody who actually is looking to get to the end of something and get some clarification, Mm -hmm. which we never really have and really don't have very often. And I think we owe him a debt of of gratitude, at least for this first three weeks, because he's at least making an effort to bring some clarity to something that's been so cloudy for so long.
2: So Nate, we live in Iowa. You're there in D.C. You cover this full time in person every day. You're closer to it than us. What's your perspective on this?
1: Since Sessions left the Department of Justice, one of the biggest things I've noticed between that that transition from Sessions to Whitaker's leadership to Barr's leadership, I've noticed there's a much more concerted, much more focused effort, much more streamlined effort to try to implement a lot of points of the president's agenda. Because, right, one of the biggest valid criticisms of Jeff Sessions' tenure at the head of the Department of Justice was – What exactly is it doing to accomplish Trump's agenda? And yeah, there there are things that you can point to that were very big. There didn't seem to be a comprehensive plan to systematically do all this stuff, where now it seems like Whitaker and now Barr have gone more in that direction. But we'll have to see how Barr does as far as everything outside of Russia. Whether or not this justifies Trump's criticisms, I'm, I'm still torn, because you guys are right. Barr has... Barr has the advantage of never having to worry about anything political ever again in his entire life because he's already done this job once 30 years ago. True. And he was nominated because he's completely immune in this case to political considerations. Mm -hmm. So when Mueller hands him that report and he comes out with a summary, yes, Democrats can come out and whine and gripe and moan about, oh, this is Trump's handpicked AG. All AGs are handpicked. And, you know, all this other – but the man's largely just immune to all these different pressures and political considerations, and that was why he was the guy to handle his handoff. Sessions was on the campaign, and I understand why he recused himself. And I also, I, I don't think the, the, the two things is, yes, Sessions could have been more a lot more involved, and he invited a lot of criticism by not being more involved and keeping the distance that he did with or without recusal. On the other side of things, I don't think that we would able we we would be able to point to the non findings of the Mueller special counsel prosecutor's report, summarized by an attorney general Sessions. No one would believe what Sessions had to say in summary, right? We wouldn't have had the right. ability to and say, look and see this guy. Yep. Now this is what we have. And There's looking no-
2: back in hindsight, Todd, remember how weak he was in his confirmation hearing, and we talked about that at the time. Sessions' performance in that confirmation hearing, how he gave into every, hey, yeah, I'm not, uh, abortion's great, it's the law of the land, and I'm not a racist. I was furious. Yeah, that did sort of, that was your tone setter for what his, you know, what his era at DOJ was, right?
4: It was exactly, but based on the framing of the question, uh, it might be counterintuitive what my answer is. I'm going to say no, not yet. Bill Barr, that's solid food there. If that gets carried forward, amen. But... As it applies to investigating spying into the Trump administration, this is something what what Donald Trump is going to be unambiguously behind. Go, Bill. Go get him. Go get him. Is he like that with the rest of his departments on other matters? He's been incredibly quixotic, not just with Sessions in this department, but others. He's complaining about people that have worked for him like he did with who was our... uh, Secretary of State. Um, Rex Tillerson. Yeah. Well, well they were. So I, I was right
2: about him from day one. Yeah, that was a disastrous. He that complains one I was about, right about people
4: him. who work for him. The problem mm-hmm. is he's been way too quixotic. He has way too many mixed messages. Bill Barr had no way is going to have a mixed message on this front. So uh, Donald Trump, this is Sessions failures are as much on Donald Trump as on Sessions.
2: Exit question If the outcome of Barr's investigation into the origins of the Russian collusion hoax were a Pink Floyd song. Which Pink Floyd song would it be? A, another brick in the wall, as in nothing to see here. B, wish you were here, as in we're going to wish Bill Barr was put on this job a long time ago. Or C, time. Only time will tell. Aaron. I'm going
3: to go with C again. Only time will tell.
1: Nate. A, another brick in the wall. Look, when you look at the way that uh, Barr is coming, Mueller came to conclusions and Barr reported conclusions that uh, Republicans and people in the president's camp already reached months ago right, before this thing even started, uh, just Quickly. reiterating that. Yeah. And, and and look, look how they've been received by people who had already convinced themselves that the president had to have done something, mm-hmm. right? They will not let this thing go. You, you know, the people who, the, 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 the Christian heretics who believe that they can predict the start of Armageddon by looking at, you know, celestial events and temporal events and say, and looking to the book of Revelation, say, oh, well, it's going to happen on May whatever in the year, blurgity blurg. Blur- blur- they always get it wrong. They always get embarrassed and then they always come back and try to recalculate over and over and over to say they actually do know when the world is gonna end. That's the kind of commitment that we're dealing with. Okay. There is nothing that you can show to hardcore partisans about this thing that will convince them that there was that there is no collusion, obstruction, or anything like that. They will keep digging and keep recalculating. Okay,
2: Now quickly. they're asking
1: for the tax returns. Now they're asking for everything else. It doesn't matter. Okay. See, only
2: time will tell. Only time will tell. Hey, um If you need a little pick-me-up at the end of the day, let me give you a recommendation, and it doesn't come at a gas station, all right? Don't go to a gas station where your car needs to get refueled. Don't get your fuel from a gas station. That's for a car. Get your fuel from where you were made, from your manufacturer, from nature and your creator, and that's where the physician-led team of top physicians at Brickhouse Nutrition comes in with, from dawn to dusk, uh, clean energy uh, that helps improve your focus as well and maybe even your mood for up to 10 hours with no gym. Bitters, no afternoon crash, no calories, and no sugar. I'm a frequent user of this product. Uh, in fact, uh, used uh, some this morning. Got up today. Today's my kick buck workout and it was a yawn fest when I woke up. No way I get through that without My From Dawn to Dusk. If you want to try it out, go to brickhousesteve.com is the website, brickhousesteve.com. Use my name Steve as a promo code and get 15% off of your first order of From Dawn to Dusk today at brickhousesteve.com. Promo code Steve. Back with more of the Days Group in a moment. We are back here, live and on demand on The Blaze. I'm Steve Day. Hey, if you've got itchy ears, ear pain, that plugged-up feeling, you're constantly asking people to repeat themselves, not to mention it's now spring, so allergy season is here. You might be thinking uh, a trip to the doctor is in. You're offing to deal with those problems with your ears, which means long doctor visit waits, co-pays. you got to get prescriptions filled. What if I told you there was an option on the table that would give you basically the exact same results, without any of those hassles. It's called WaxRx. It's a physician-developed technology that safely and effectively removes earwax buildup and then it will soothe the ear with a pH condition formula just like the professionals do. And yes, now you can use WaxRx without a prescription as well. Try the WaxRx system risk-free today. Here's how. Just go to the website, usewaxrx.com, all one word there, that use WaxRX use wax and while you're there use the offer code radio at checkout for free shipping use waxrx.com. one more time use waxrx.com. offer code radio at checkout for free shipping now back to today's group your weekly look at the week that was with issue three barack obama voice of moderation
0: good old former president brobama you've got social media that was once considered to be uh the, the network that would provide us greater understanding now suddenly appears to be a tool that is used to spread disinformation and hatred and suspicion. One of the things I do worry about sometimes uh, among progressives in the United States, maybe it's true here as well, um, is a certain kind of rigidity where we say, ah, I'm sorry this is how it's gonna be and then we start sometimes creating what's called a uh, circular firing squad where you start shooting at your allies if you're gonna have a coherent cohesive society then everybody has to have some agreed upon rules and they're gonna have to be some accommodations that everybody makes and that includes the people who are newcomers the question is Are those fair? Do they, you know, know, should we want to encourage newcomers to learn the language of the country they're moving to? Of course. Does that mean that they can never use their own language? No. Of course it doesn't mean that, but it's, you know, it's not racist to say, ah, if you're going to be here, then you should learn the language of the country that you just arrived at because we need to have some sort of common language in which all of us can work and learn and understand each other it gets more sensitive obviously around religious issues that becomes more challenging and I don't have you know simple solutions to all of that but but I, I guess what, what I what I think we have to do in order to push back against just you know uh, what are clearly racist, motives of some we can't label everybody who is disturbed by immigration as racist
2: (laughs) two months ago it was you know i i kind of think you you know i'm a one-woman man if you got to flaunt your sexuality and wear your uh, bank account around your neck maybe you don't have those kinds of things actually going for you right then we have that 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 was just a couple months ago with steph curry during the nba all-star game weekend right uh, this may be the very first ex-president that is that moves to the right after leaving the White House ever. But let's discuss, okay? Do you think it's possible that Obama was not fully aware of what he would help to unleash? And now that he's out of office and, and witnessing the daily political battle from the outside in, without... Without a direct vested interest in his own political um, uh, outcome, fortunes, etc., is it possible he's having second thoughts about what he helped to inspire? And if your answer is no, then I need from I need you to give me an alternative rationale for what we're seeing from him. Then, if it's not that, then tell me what it is, Nate. Because of your level of verklemptness, I have to go to you first. Go ahead, sir.
1: Barack Obama was the most, was the furthest left president that we've ever had, but he doesn't represent the furthest left wing of his own party and his own movement. Mm. I mean, we need to acknowledge that. He's kind of, ideologically, he's like the Romney. Let's face it. Um. Yeah. And now so you look and, he, you know, Ilhan Omar a few weeks ago got uh, got in trouble with some of her own whether the fellow Democrats were saying, oh, he's uh, he's got, he's a pretty face who got away with murder or something like that. And, you know, what? look, he, yeah, he, he killed he, a whole bunch of
2: Muslim. The, he killed more Muslims than Bush did or something is what she said with uh, with drone strikes or something like that. So,
1: well, yeah. And, and honestly, if you, if you care about that, that's I mean, yeah, that's a legitimate criticism. If you, you care about how we actually responded to terrorism you know, during Obama's administration, that's a very legitimate criticism. Um, moving on from that, you know, I, I think that, yes, he is, he is trying to tap the brakes a little bit on where the progressive movement currently stands and currently is going. Cause he can see that that wasn't the kind of thing that he went on at the same time. Like, look, he came, he was from the middle of his own movement. He was more of an aspirational candidate that allowed moderates and progressives alike to impose their views on him. That's a good point. Yep. I mean, like he was the aspirational candidate that in that he was receptive, you know, the, the character that he created for the campaign trail was was amenable to that, a lot like Trump. And so now you've got a lot of this, you've got this new freshman class of Democrats coming up. you've got Bernie Sanders who I mean let's face it, you got Joe Biden versus Bernie Sanders and Bernie Sanders is setting the policy tone for the 2020 presidential Democratic debate. It would make sense that a guy who realized that you needed to have blue Dogs and moderates and other other, other people to for a winning coalition would try to pump the brakes on where this thing is.
2: Is it, It's an interesting juxtaposition, Todd. And when I originally planned this out, the rundown, I had not seen any of these montages, okay? I see them all in real time with the rest of you live on the air. So I had no idea that Aaron was going to include a clip in the first segment of the show of Bernie Sanders saying in the last week uh, that the president is a racist, xenophobe, homophobe, etc. Because we just talked about that last segment, right? The same week Bernie Sanders drops that, Barack Obama is dropping just because you're troubled by immigration and you believe in language, common language and assimilation doesn't
4: automatically mean you're a racist. What do you think, Todd? Mm, he's lying to you. Uh, listen, he's every bit as left as these guys, but he's his, his problem. His whole thing is, guys, I haven't done this in a while.
3: Yes. Thank you, guys.
4: Yes. yes. I'm Barack Obama. Um, your problem is you're not cool like me. Gotta be cool when you do these things. And you gotta lie. Much, much better. Like when I did. About Benghazi. Or about if you like your doctor, you can keep it. Or when I said marriage was between a man and a woman. I lied. And here. This whole language thing. I'm lying right now. (laughs) but, But I'm cool when I do it. So, you guys. I'm with you, man. But you gotta. Didn't you see Star Wars? Star Wars. You know, you gotta. Palpatine. Long walk, long, you know, I, I was there on the streets of Chicago. I, uh, Steve Dace has laid this thing out for you. Uh, the, all, the, all, all the white papers, the long view that we wrote back then. Marching on the streets, getting things done. But you, 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 you just can't go vomit this stuff out like you got to do. So bottom line, whenever you're about to say something, I need you to ask yourself inside. Are you cool like me? Because right now you're not cool. And that's why I got to come forward. Because my coolness needs to be reinvigorated every once in a while, and I clearly can't rely on you guys to do that. So, once again, fight the power, fight the man, <laughs> stay the course, but be cool, like Barack Obama.
3: I think we should just close in prayer and go home after that. <laughs> Second on the motion. Um,
2: are, you, are you Do you think, then, if you think this is all a
4: lie, He's a liar. Okay. He's a demonstrated okay. liar. I'm not. I'm not arguing with you. I don't, But I'm up. I'm, okay. I'm up right. now. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not arguing with you. All right.
2: Um, um, do I hear you saying? Because there's got to be a rationale then to go to these places. Okay. Do you think he has a fear that they could possibly lose another election to Donald Trump because they just yes. lack the panache that he brings to the table? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. You just totally. And that's what this is. The mo- that's the motivating factor here.
4: Yeah, Yeah. you you just can't go full Darth Sidious on people. you got to be cool.
3: Okay, Aaron, what do you think? Um, So, Barack Obama. By the way, Todd is having an underrated day. He dropped Quixotic in the last segment, and now he just did that. uh, Indeed, agreed. That was was very well well played, Todd. Uh, Very quickly, because I know we need to move on. But you would have to to, to say that he is having regrets now uh, after not having uh, seen where this is going. I think you would have to... You know, seeing where the, uh, the the leftism that he unleashed on the country, he couldn't have seen where that was going. If he could have, that would require what? Some self-awareness, which we know leftists is a hallmark of, of leftism that uh, does not exist. Uh, no self-awareness. The second level of self-awareness would be having any regrets whatsoever because that would also require some self-awareness. So I think that flies in the face of what we've seen with him, you know, barring some sort of spiritual con- conversion. But what Todd did was exactly where I was going with this. I want to focus in on one thing. Um, I one, one thing that uh, o- Obama said in that clip talking about immigration, uh, just because you have uh, concerns about immigration doesn't mean you're a racist. And then right before that, he said clearly – he talked about clearly racist intentions. See, he's making it sound to our ears and to most people's ears like, man, Obama's just – He's just really being reasonable here. He's, he's one of the most reasonable politicians I've ever seen. That's because we're projecting what we think that means upon to him. Mm. What a leftist really means by clearly racist intentions is anybody with an R after their name, they are clearly racist and they clearly have racist intentions. Todd is absolutely correct. He is just a really, really, really good politician, really good at lying, really good at being cool because he makes you project whatever you want upon him. In at his best moments,
4: I mean, he's still the Saul Alinsky guy, right? Yeah. I mean, what that's that's what we're asking because we can't deny
2: what he is saying publicly. We cannot deny this. We've all watched the clips, so then all we can do now is game plan what is the rationale. And if the rationale isn't any buyer's remorse, um, then there has to be an alternative, and I think. I think the only possible alternative is what you said. It's one or the other. It's some form of buyer's remorse, or it's what you said. It it could potentially be a mixture
3: of both.
4: There is no way No, it is
2: buyer's remorse.
3: Short of uh, spiritual conversion. All right. Exit
2: question, true or false. If Obama's future role in our body politic were a Pink Floyd song, it would be money. For other than getting paid to do public speaking, he'll have virtually no other influence on the general electorate or even his own left. True or false, Todd? False. Why?
4: Uh, it's, th- th- what he just did is about more than money uh, today. It, it He, his, his job as cat herder may be absolutely vital okay. to keeping the party from falling apart.
1: All right. Nate, what do you think? Yeah, false. he's that's the role that he's going to have. He's like he's the only shepherding voice the the Democratic Party has right now. I mean, who else are you going to look to? Tom Perez? Uh, who who else do you have? Like who in who in that coalition actually acts as a functional party leader? Nancy Pelosi is having enough time keeping the House together. Hmm. Um, he has the benefit of having the the Obama aura to come in here and kind of speak like this this wise and sage after eight years in the Oval Office and kind of have do a better job of wrangling wrangling the the factions of his own party i mean
3: you, okay. you can kind of see that breakup happening in the house right now what do you think Aaron? yeah i think it's false as well i think mm-hmm. i think the sky's the limit still for obama uh just minus the presidency obviously
4: i mean how many points do you think any candidate gains if obama endorses him today uh, in I, the
2: polls? I, th- I think uh they would win the nomination yeah. I think I, I think he oh, I yeah. think he has total control over Joe Biden's political fortunes. If he endorses yeah. him, Biden will survive. If he doesn't, I think Biden is Jeb Bush 2020. That's what I think. Exit or I'm sorry, issue four. Let's play a little game of show and tell.
3: There has been no ambiguity where this show, Sans Todd, stands on soccer.
2: It's the fastest growing sport To your kids get to about tenth grade. And then they realize chicks dig the long ball, football scholarships. Come are, are more valuable, so we're moving on now. Thanks. Okay. So, the, the, if you really want to compete, if you want to bring the amer the United States in, which I don't believe they do, they won't do what I'm contemplating, because if they do, we will kick their ass. Why? Because we're bigger, stronger, and faster than the rest of you are. What I'm basically saying is, yes, you need to Americanize your sport, and then we would like it. Thank you.
3: But in recent days, photographic evidence has come into my possession, which shows. That even the most fevered, hyperbolic stereotypes of soccer posited on this show are all real. It started when a source of mine sent me a picture of pins with different preferred pronouns on them. My source said an organization in a large city was handing out these preferred pronoun pins. When asked which organization, my source informed me it was for a fan club of a major United States soccer club of which they are a part of. On top of that, my source informed me that one of the largest fan clubs of this MLS club is called the Red Loons, leftist soccer fans supporting the Minnesota United Football Club. And if that wasn't enough already, my source sent me one more photo of soccer fans of this club supporting race baiting and the Rainbow Jihad. This proves once and for all that if you like soccer, you're a communist. Todd.
4: Soccer. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Why can't you be cool? No. Like me. <laughs> can't be cool. <laughs> Too much.
3: It's shocking, though. I mean, you, some of the stuff you've said about soccer, though, and my buddy texting me this, all of this stuff, complaining about how all the fans really don't care about the game. They're just there to talk about uh, their fevered leftist dreams. It, yeah. is, it was striking.
2: I mean, I, I, I wasn't kidding. All these years I've said this it was not a joke. They just want, they, they I mean, I, like, I, pre, I, my presentation was hyperbolic, but at its core, well, it's, it's not, not a joke. Yeah. This is this, this and what they want, what they did. Soccer is an is a political arm. It's the, it is a leisure arm of a political movement. That doesn't mean like everybody who plays the sport all over the world buys in on this or anything of that nature, but at its yeah. highest levels, it has been co-opted for this purpose. And now what the, and, and what you're seeing is the exact same – the WNBA was started with the same purpose in mind too. And it's the same – and now they're bringing – they're trying to now inject this language and these notions into the other more popular sports as well, all right? And it's, not, it's, the, and it's the same people who when, – when the World Cup came here in 1994, 25 years ago, if you didn't want to watch, you were a terrible human being, are the same people are, that are trying to shut football down, American football, because it's too dangerous. Because what this is really about – Is we're against masculine driven meritocracies. That's what it's really about. The US women's soccer team is essentially a political vehicle for the rainbow jihad. Todd, tell me
4: I'm wrong about any of this. Well, closer to home in youth soccer. And there's dictates like this that go out throughout youth sports. But there's a movement that parents are just, they constantly send out these missives. Parents, this isn't about you, it's about the kids. Just sit there there's actually clubs that have said you're not even allowed to cheer they, they 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 tell parents how they're supposed to cheer you're not supposed to be coaching on the sidelines um and i regularly in uh, there's ways these things can be abused abuse, abused but i regularly verbally and in an email say um no uh do you know how much money i'm paying for this <laughs> do you know who's paying your salary mm-hmm. uh i don't have to sit here and be silent that which doesn't mean you 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 get to be a jerk, but I I just throw it back in their faces and I say I like you guys, but y- you you don't get to say you're this not going to, to me homogenize or me. any other parent yep. ever. But of course, most of the other parents allow it, accept it. Th- they they think this is their proper role, which shows w- way more about them than just how they interact with youth soccer. If they're willing to take that, what do you think the rest of their lives look like?
2: Well, it's it's the, and it's the same. It's not new. It's we're going to teach. We're going to take over the school boards and we're going to teach your kids what we want to, and you're going to sit there and take it. Yeah. You're not, you're not going to, you're not going to oppose it. You're not going to put up, you're just going to put up with it. And if you don't, then you're a racist. It's the same game plan across the board. Okay. Same game plan. So I've never, I, I didn't make this stuff up all these years. I've been saying this only the presentation had a certain, as Todd has said today. Cool. Okay. Boy, my clock is way off. I might. It happens. It happens. My bad. Nate, hey, hey, we got to get our predictions in. So, Nate, you stay right there. We'll get our predictions in because we're up against a break. All right. So, my bad. I need to defend something. (laughs) We'll let you say it too when we come back. Stay tuned here with hour two alive and on demand on the blaze i'm steve dace 888-900-3393 is the number here to the blaze 888-900-3393 like us on facebook follow us on twitter at steve dace show d-e-a-c-e is the last name you can also email the program steve at stevedace.com hey restricting free speech is restricting the truth that's exactly why Enemies of the truth, do it. I was just uh, checking Twitter during the break, and uh, one of the writers over the Daily Wire had noticed that Triumph of the Will, total propaganda, was listed as uh, under has history and war on a Google search, but unplanned came up under political propaganda. That's the game, okay and And that's why we support companies like Patriot Mobile here on the show because you know all the cell phone providers nowadays pretty much have the exact same networks. Now you may live in a part of the country where one network is better than another, and if you've got to stay there because you' got to do business, we can't really do business this day and age without a cell phone. Totally get that. But comprehensively across the country, basically, they all have the same networks. They're even and they're competing ads, they're even admitting this to each other now when they go after each other. So really the only difference is what they do with the money that you give to them after you spend it on them. That's where Patriot Mobile comes it comes in. Uh, this was a company started by conservatives who are like, hey, why can't we use our corporate interests and profits to support our causes? It's veteran-led Patriot Mobile, America's only conservative cell phone company. Have your hard-earned money go to causes like PragerU, where they are trying to get Shadow ban them on a daily basis. Alliance Defending Freedom and more, and with plans starting as low as 25 bucks a month, why wait? Call one 800 a patriot, one 800 a patriot, and drop promo code BLAZE when you call that number, and you will get your activation fee waived. Or just go online to patriotmobile.com slash BLAZE, patriotmobile.com slash BLAZE, and when you switch, you can get your activation fee waived that way as well. So... I screwed up at the end of the last hour, but I'm a victim here. My clock's not working on my computer, so my bad, all right? We couldn't get to our predictions at the end of the day, group, and Nate, you wanted to sound off on soccer as a leftist, progressive, socialist construct topic, so go ahead, sir.
1: You're describing an American phenomenon. I spent a third of my undergraduate between the UK, Germany, Uganda. There's, it's a completely different cultural landscape inside that, the soccer fandom in other countries, but yeah. A lot of that is, a, is an issue here in the United States. That's all I wanted to say.
2: Okay. Let's get to predictions. So, Nate Madden, because you were gracious enough to wait during the top of the hour break, I'm going to let you go first, sir. Go ahead.
1: Freeman and Acuna are going to help the Braves do well enough to get them uh, into the NLCS playoffs and then gravely disappoint me again.
4: Todd? Ta- you are seeing something right now in the water with uh, YouTube, Twitter. Uh, there was another ban on the social media. Instagram now, <laughs> it,
2: which has been sort of exempted from a lot of these battles, and people have sort of considered the place that is the freest of all by, of them.
3: It's owned by Facebook, though. Yeah,
2: but it, Instagram Facebook. banned something from the Babylon Bee this week,
4: yeah. you are. These are all test cases for the election coming up, and you are going to see one of these entities— uh all but uh flat out ban uh conservative uh pushback on uh democrat presidential candidates
2: i don't think there's any question the first part of your prediction is true i think they would like to have the second part come true and i think these are test cases to see if they can i i completely agree with that
3: aaron uh by the all-star break the st louis cardinals bullpen will have by far the lowest era in the nl central
2: i'm really fascinated with all these sports predictions. So I'm going to make one. Uh, The Seattle Mariners are going to join the 87 Milwaukee Brewers as the only two teams post-divisional play in baseball history, that's since 1969, to win at least 13 of their first 15 games and then not make the postseason at the end of the year. Nate, thanks for hanging around, brother. Sorry to make you wait extra time. Appreciate it. Get back to work. No worries. Take care, man. All right. Let's get to today's Truth Bomb, brought to you by my new book, Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies. We conservatives believe to our own demise, endorsed by a group of men that you like a lot more than me. Glenn Beck, Mark Levin, Ben Shapiro, Matt Walsh, and Dan Bongino. You can get your copy of Truth Bombs today wherever Kamala Harris's books are sold, because apparently... I'm right next to her in all the bookstores. Or you can just go online, amazon.com, and get your copy right now. And if you have purchased one and you liked it, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review on our Amazon page, we would greatly appreciate it. All right, so I'm going to do a couple of personal things for the truth bomb today, if you guys don't mind. Um, the first one is I, I have this happen to me a lot. And I just want you to—and I, I understand why you do it, Okay. But I need you to understand that if you do this, you're going to automatically not get an answer from me. And that is send me an email that says, Steve, I was watching blank other conservative media personality on Twitter and they made this claim. Will you respond? Here is my answer always. No. No. You may not intentionally be doing this. Which is why I'm trying to be genteel in pointing this out today okay
4: you'd love to be genteel
2: it's you know it's kind of my natural thing it's my default setting really you know if you my Facebook status which apparently I can't update that anymore either it just
4: it's genteel that's what it is it can't be crafty so it might as well be genteel
2: <laughs> Friday's your day isn't it I've noticed
4: that. I have days.
2: It's like, it's it's just like suck all week long and then Friday he's just en fuego. Have you noticed this?
3: I, I was just focusing on the suck all week, but yeah, sure, he's fine on, on Fridays. <laughs>
2: yeah, like if you were handicapping the show and you're looking
3: for a trend line,
2: yeah. Friday is Todd's day. <laughs> it's Todd's day, Friday, okay? um, But, uh, remember the telephone game when we were kids? I don't, I promise all of you watch and consume more conservative alternative conservative media content than I do. I just don't have the time. And when I'm done doing this, I, I kind of try to check out. So I'm, I'm just not f- obsessed with this all the time and I don't drown in it. I've said that before. I'm resetting that to explain to you one of the major reasons why is things get mixed up and lost in translation. Now, if you have something, you, you can ask me any question and if I can answer it, I will do my best. Except if you frame it similar to um, if you give me a theological term and ask me what my opinion of that term is, I don't answer that question either. If you ask me any theological question, I'll answer it. But the minute you start putting a label on something, I'm I'm, I'm out. Okay, because most of the time that we we it's love my label, touch it, love the label. You want to ask me about a a principle, a a theory, a value, a belief? I love those questions. We're the show of worldviews are prime directive. Theology Thursday. We love those things. Okay? We don't have a day for labeling. So I don't do that. And I'm not going to answer questions. And I get these on a daily basis. No. Do not ask me, so-and-so claims this. I was listening to another show on the blaze that said this. What do you think? No, I don't because I don't know what they said. I don't listen. I don't have time. So if it, now if you pick up something, whether it's another show here or anywhere else, and you want to in general, ask me about a theme or a principle or a value or a strategy, um, I'll happily do that. But just like when we start getting into theological labels, that's my tap out. I'm out. Okay. When the minute you come to me and say, like, I just had somebody do this again, 20 minutes ago, Matt Walsh tweeted. I, you know what? I instantly do the minute you do that. You should know this. Delete. I'm out. And the the main reason I do it is to resist my temptation to respond to it. Okay. Your thoughts on that, gentlemen? Before I get to Truth Bomb Number Two,
3: uh, you responded that to that uh, quite a bit more gracefully than I probably would have if I were in your shoes. Because I get some of that too. Um, it is—it's a lot of. Uh, did you see? So and so said this. So and so said this, and um, this other person, Steve is is pimping this person. I, I don't. No. 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 Uh, and if you have a if you have an issue with some, something somebody else says. That is, who is who is characterized as a conservative or or something like that, um and you have an issue with what they said. I would go, you know, you know who you know who you should go to if you have an issue with somebody, with what somebody said. Mm-hmm. Maybe them. You,
2: yeah. 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 It's my name, Mark Levin. No. It's my name, Glenn Beck. It's my name, Matt Walsh. So if you're one, if you have an issue with, with those guys say, why wouldn't you ask, ask, ask them. And I hope you don't go to them and say, here, did you see what Steve Day said? Let's not play the telephone game. And I understand some of it because when I disagree directly with someone, if we play a clip or something, I don't shy away from that. And one of the reasons why I don't do that is when I I started doing that early in my career and management freaked out so they wanted me to speak more generally. Well, the problem was I tried that for a couple of days and then a whole bunch of people I wasn't talking about got pissed off thinking I was talking about them. So I just said, screw it. I'm just going back when I address somebody specifically. <laughs> I'm just going to address them specifically rather than impugn people that I'm not talking about. All right, but you can ask me in the context of what's your, what do you think of this? But the minute you ask me to say, what's your opinion of what this person's opinion is, that's my tap
3: out. Is that fair? Yeah. Totally. And uh, one more. I'm sorry. I don't want to belabor this. One more conciliatory thing. I get. I get as well. I think sometimes the motivation, and we're not. We're trying to avoid assigning. But I think sometimes the motivation is uh, this person that I deeply respect and trust said something that I find concerning. I'm going to go to another person. Uh, whom I deeply trust and sure. respect, and yeah. I want to get there because yep. you're seeking some. Re- so I get that, but yes. still, at the same time, I think it still holds.
2: So. But, but but see, that's a very risky thing in my line of work. Yeah, and f- you know, I for every one of you that might have a legitimate, hey, these are people who I trust. They have a difference of opinion. I'd kind of like to go directly to them and have them iron it out. In this day and age, I don't know who's a troll that is just. That I'm responding to something nobody ever said. And then suddenly my feed blows up Steve Dace attacks blankety blank. Uh, No, I I, I can't get into that thing. So that's why, in order to avoid that minefield, the minute you give me a specific personality uh, that you think that you claim you heard and saw say something that I didn't hear or see. I instantly hit delete and I will not respond ever to that. Okay. Now, number two is this is something I have debated within internally for months about whether to address and Todd and Aaron, you guys have no idea. I'm going to go here. Okay. But um, there's a, there's a, there's a small percentage and there's a small percentage of you that keep bringing this topic up. And that's, and, and I and, and because it's not a, a large segment of the audience, I I didn't think it was worthy of me addressing it. And then I r- realized recently that it's it's not the percentage of the people that are bringing it up that are you know insignificant in the grand scheme of things. And and it's not a bad point to bring up either. By the way, it's that there's probably a lot more people in the audience impacted by this the way my family is that. Um, may feel like this is something they're enduring and my and navigating or suffering through alone. And they shouldn't feel that way. So there's a group of you that have asked me on a constant basis, Steve, why don't you own a gun? And some of it is, I get it, it's the conservative club, right? And it's, you know, my bona fides are... My bona fides are questioned if I'm not, you know, hanging out at Bass Pro Shop. And why does Aaron do the iTarget Pro ads and things of that nature? And you guys actually don't even know the answer to this. I'm going to tell you guys at the same time. I'm going to tell the rest of the audience. And this came up again. You know, we did the whole thing about the picture of masculinity that you saw, authentic manhood with the Virginia basketball team this week. And somebody sent me a note and said, you know, I really appreciate what you had to say, but could you protect your own family if you had to? Why don't you own a gun? You have a CCL license. Why don't you own a gun? I used to. Here's, I haven't really answered this question. Here's why. My wife is clinically bipolar. And one of the reasons why she's going back to school uh, through Liberty's external degree program is to get accredited in this particular area because it's something that she has struggled with for many years. And most days are great. I have a blessed marriage. And if she were here, she would tell you this though. The bad days are very, very low or very, very high. A few months ago, we had a show where about five minutes before We got, went on the air. I had to check out and you guys had to pinch it for me on the spot. You guys remember that? Yeah. The reason why is because we were having a very, very low day. And they are often not triggered by anything specific. It can just happen. All right. And, you know, we've learned a lot about this as a couple and as a family in the last year or two, especially. Um, you know, when you, as a, uh, I don't have to take you to a health class. But women go through a certain change around 12, 13, 14 years old, right? They go through another change, you know, the opposite way, kind of between, their 40, between 40 and 50 years old. So you throw that in along with this condition. And hormones and emotions and a lot of things can just be um, treacherous, precarious, untrustworthy. Have there been any other days where I've had to say to you guys, hey, I think some, in fact, when I came into work that day, did I say to you guys, Hey, something doesn't seem right at home. Beyond, I I had no, no idea it was. I did my normal routine. My normal routine is we get everything set by ten or fifteen minutes for going the air. Go on the air. I go sit in the corner men's stall here, right down the hall. Man, get prayed up. Come in. Let's do this. I did my normal routine as I came in. What did I say to you guys? I got eject right now. Okay, and so given that situation, it's not prudent in my home. To have certain things. That's one of them. And I've debated whether to discuss this. And at first I didn't want to do it because the motivation for bringing it up is, was my annoyance. Like if I don't belong to your gun club, I'm not a real man, for example. And then I realized I was looking at this the wrong way and that was my ego talking. And that, I, I, can, I can promise you, Amy does not mind me sharing this. I can promise you that. Um, I, there's probably other people in our audience, far more people who feel stigmatized or struggling with this and haven't addressed it or gotten the help they need. And um, there's a better example for me to set by doing so head on. That's why we don't have a weapon in our home. And it's my motivation is trying to be trying to protect and defend my family. And that's a decision that we made together that it can happen at any time and you're not really ever sure, and it's just given where we live, the neighborhood we're in, what the crime rates are, things of that nature, the risk was too strong on the other end for having one in the home compared to the value, or or, for not having one in the home compared to the value of having one in the home. And so that's why Aaron does the iTarget Pro ads and not me. And that's why I have a CCL license and no longer own a gun. You guys, have any comments or statements or anything on? Y- yes. and you don't have to. I just wanted no, to give you the I chance actu- if you did.
3: I actually do. Um and this you don't even you don't even know this either, Steve. I mean, your motivation for bringing this up was so that um, you know, that there are probably other people who feel stigmatized doing this alone. I, I haven't even shared this with you, but after that instance and after you um, clued um, Todd and I into kind of what was going on, that that situation completely changed my perspective on, um, on another person that's in fairly close proximity to me, not in the family, but very close proximity to me. And... Uh, their struggles with um, bipolar and depression. And I had, um, I had, it's just, it's one of my best friend's girlfriends and I'll leave it at that. I had seen the impact that her condition had had on on my buddy and um, had developed kind of a a sour, uh, uh, a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth towards her. Very, very kind of hard on her because I wanted to see what was best for my buddy um, but after you, and she's, she's had low days like this that I've been privy to as well. Thanks to my friend, you know, sharing those with me. When you, uh, came in the next day and shared what was going on, you used some of the exact same, and I mean exact same words that my buddy has used when he's been describing these low days and it completely changed how I, how I view that I've been, uh, uh You know, I think everybody struggles with depression and these types of issues before, uh, but you know, obviously some sometimes are and some circumstances are worse than others. But it's it completely changed my perspective on this. So at least one person—I don't think you even knew this—at least one person's perspective or um, you know outlook has been changed because of 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 you sharing that.
2: And can I just say too, if you're in that group of people that have been asking me about this, I don't. I my intent to bring this up is not to shame you. Like I you don't need to oh man, I feel like a terrible person. That that's not it, okay? You know, um I totally get why I mean the reason you own one and have one in your home is to help you fulfill your role as the protector and defender of your family. I totally get that. Okay? So this is not, I'm not trying to come over the top rope on you or anything of that nature or, hey, don't you, f- don't you feel sorry now for all those times you brought this up to me. No, and that's, and, the, and that's why I haven't addressed it privately with several of you that keep bringing this up to me, um, is because I could see my ego was kind of uh, getting a little uh, ticked off by it. I'm addressing it comprehensively and corporately in this setting Because more important than my ego is um, how many people out there right now need to know they're not alone with this. And they're not alone by a long shot. And the worst possible thing you can do is to believe that you are, or that you'll be mocked, or you'll be embarrassed. Um, shamed so that's the answer and I don't plan on having to address this again you know unless there's something that requires it I just once and for all thought maybe it was time for me to, uh, to answer this question that has come up numerous times over the last six months to a year let's get to some feedback Friday all right. Let's start. This is the what you guys have been saying to us on Facebook, Twitter, email. Well, and Facebook lets me see what you're saying to us anyway. Dave Worley writes, "Um, were it not for your show, I probably would not have seen Unplanned. Thank you for giving the movie such a strong recommendation. I needed to see this film. I've been intellectually convinced that abortion is wrong my entire adult life and worship in a church that teaches that killing unborn children is a sin. However, for most of my life, it was a side issue for me. Worse, in my early youth, there was a dark corner of my heart that was so hardened and politically partisan that I didn't really care about abortion because I saw it as progressives largely aborted their own future voters in the past few years your show has changed my mind completely on the issue but this night this movie opened the door for the spirit of god to finally change my heart i have no other way of describing this other than that somehow i finally truly saw that these children being killed are really children this intellectual reality finally became a spiritual reality that level of real that surpasses what we can actually see and touch abortion is truly our national sin The killing of the unborn is the great injustice of our age. It's our modern slavery. Uh, That's, by the way, what got the Babylon Bee graphic band from, uh, uh, from Instagram was making this comparison. Our contemporary Holocaust. It is the barbarism that may yet lead to even greater atrocities. It is the sin that will destroy us if we do not repent. For if we deny so great and obvious a crime, then how will we ever repent of our multitude of lesser sins? Uh, tonight i committed to no longer being a bystander from this time forward i'm going to give all the time and resources i can to help end this slaughter thank you again for asking your audience to see unplanned and then there's this note from diane i just wanted you to know that i paid the consequences of the sexual revolution i had two daughters i had my two tubes tied at 24 neither of my girls will ever have children they're unable unable to conceive too So, so I have no generations coming after I'm gone. I grew up in an eight child family, two died in infancy. And so I was, I was told big families weren't cool anymore. And so I only had two and I lost my way from the faith. That I was raised in praise god. I now know his mercy and forgiveness, but i'm so sad I'll never know or i'll never have grandchildren I pray that revival comes and people understand before it's too late because it's too late for me I know i'm going home when i'm when I die and i'm so happy for that day, but my lineage will cease I have gotten emails with these two themes every single day multiple multiple of them for the last two weeks About the impact that this film has had and the, way that, and the reason this, in, this film has had this impact is because it removes the partisanship. It removes the philosophical. It removes the ideological. And you see it through the prism of one woman, in this case, Abby Johnson, living this issue out on both sides of it, earnestly, earnestly. She is earnestly living out the viewpoint that led her to being first a volunteer and then a clinic manager for Planned Parenthood, the youngest they've ever had to then she's now on the other side of the fence with 40 days for life, lobbying women not to go into the clinic that she for eight years worked for and managed. That's what makes it so effective is, is that you are earnestly presented both sides of this debate, which allows each of us now to put ourselves Uh, to walk a mile in somebody else's shoes, maybe even our own. There's a word that's been lost in our culture. Empathy. What this film's greatest strength is, is empathy. And when we turn, when we turn issues into purely philosophical propositions and we turn those whom either disagree with us and or yet don't understand where we're coming from into mere constructs lost in the argument is what really is the most persuasive tool empathy in hell there is no empathy empathy only enmity. What is more prevalent in our culture today? Empathy or enmity? Look at Dave's note. Hey, I just thought it was Darwinian. You know, hey, they're killing their kids. I guess we just end up beating them at the in the end when there's more of us than them. That's enmity talking. Empathy says... I'll suffer with you. The ultimate empathy says that I will suffer for you. Sunday is Palm Sunday. When the suffering servant victoriously, triumphantly entered through the gates of Jerusalem to palm branches and hosannas. And many of the same people that waved those and cheered that, would then cheer, mere days later, crucify him. He would come to Golgotha and mock and scorn him, who showed the maximum amount of empathy by suffering for them on their behalf, the suffering that they deserved. I like a good fight as much as anybody. We have enough enmity around here. Enough. We're drowning in it now. We're killing each other over it. It's time for more empathy. And I think that's the secret sauce of the greatness of this film. Is where there was once enmity, there's empathy. Empathy changes hearts and minds. Enmity causes us to bunker down even further. More in a moment. If you are a frequent viewer, listener to our program, you've heard me talk about realestateagentsitrust.com. And uh, this was a company that Glenn Beck and his uh, friends started a few years ago. And let me put a finer point on on why. There's really three reasons why. Number one, selling or buying a home is a complicated process. Uh, It's difficult to navigate. So Real Estate Agents I Trust, it chooses agents with a long track record of actual performance. They got results. Uh, there's no part-time or inexperienced agents uh, in their network. Here's the second reason. Market value for your home can't be done by an algorithm. It takes years of expertise to evaluate the market, price your home accordingly, to sell quickly and for top dollar. And so these are agents that are chosen because they're experts in your neighborhood. And then the third reason why, home sellers must genuinely like the agent they choose to trust their home to. Uh, and that's why agents are selected who are fans of, of what we do here, just like you. And they do business like you, therefore, share your values too. So if this sounds like what you're looking for as we get started in earnest with spring, summer, home buying and shopping season, check it out. Realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. Let's get back to Feedback Friday. But first, we have some breaking news.
3: We're going to wait till after the show to watch it.
2: Yes, start. yeah. But start. but we're going to wait till after the show to watch
3: but the title. Yeah. Well,
4: I didn't see it. What the title is... of Star Wars
2: Episode Nine is not,
3: out. Did not see that coming.
2: I didn't see it coming at all. The Rise of Skywalker
3: is did the title the of Episode on, Nine. Did you see the look on Todd's face when you said that? It was about as surprised as... That look says what to you? They,
4: they can screw this up, too. I mean, I just... <laughs> I got... What does that mean? There's no, we there's no thread we can grab onto. This is beyond reason, man. I don't know. You know here's hopeful. what I
2: here's what I tell you. What I what I think it means for sure, for sure. The last film was episode eight was called what? The last Jedi. Jedi. Yeah. This one is called what? Rise of Skywalker. The Rise of Skywalker. That is the clearest sign yet of what I've been predicting for the last year and a half. This movie is, it's almost going to be like Ryan Johnson's movie was never made. I,
3: from your lips to God, this is a,
2: Ryan Johnson is going to be the redheaded stepchild of the Star Wars universe. That's what he's going to be. He's going to be the imp. That's what, that's what's going to happen. He's going to be the imp of the Lannister clan. That's what's going to happen here.
3: So she's, she's, Ray is basically. I could see this going, okay, Luke, okay, Anakin, uh, he's the one the prophecy fore- foretold, no. Luke is the one the prophecy foretold, no. Is it going to be is the one the prophecy foretold?
2: What you're going to get is you're going to get, an, well, either way, this is going to be the actual sequel to The Force yeah. Awakens. That's really what this is. That's Largely, this wasn't a trilogy, okay? It was, it was a two-part series. And Ryan Johnson's gonna, and then years later, people will look at it and say, that's actually a pretty well done film. It's just not a sequel to The Force Awakens. That's, I think, the clearest sign yet. This is gonna be a make good. That's what I think.
4: There should be no make goods in Star Wars. Well, there shouldn't be a lot of things in life. That's what you got for that? (laughs) Thanks, Yoda.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. You're the one that just dropped the do or do not. There is no try, right? (laughs) All right, let's get to feedback uh, Friday here. Tina Marshall in Stanton, Iowa says, I recently purchased your book, A Nefarious Plot through Audible. I'm very pro-life and have been my whole life. My mother, who's 70, has always been pro-choice. It has been the only subject we simply cannot see the other's view on. And there's been no room to budge on either side. But after listening to your book, I shared it with her. I've never used the share option on Audible before, so it was also a test to see how the function works. She received it and listened to it. To my amazement and hers, Nefarious's chapter on abortion in your book caused her to jump sides. She is now not only very much pro-life, but is bothered by the title pro-choice at all and agrees that it should be labeled pro-abortion. I'm 51 years old, and so for almost 40 years, I've not been able to get her to budge on her point of view. And your book accomplished this in less than 10 hours. Thank you for the book, but a much better thank you for changing my mom's heart. Well, that is very appreciative, uh, appreciated, Tina. And if you want to know how a nefarious approaches it in this book, if you haven't read a nefarious plot yet, it is with complete and brutal honesty. Nefarious, to borrow a phrase from Joseph Conrad, he is your Colonel Kurtz. He takes you into the heart of darkness in this chapter. You see this through the looking glass from the other side. He forces you to look at all of the other side's arguments in brutal an emphasis on the term brutal and brutal honesty. None of the flowery language, all of the truth. And so you, and, and, and it's done with the distinction of reaching people like Tina Marshall's mom. You've heard us talk since Unplanned came out, or we start, started promoting Unplanned here on the show. There's a distinction between people who are pro-choice and people who are pro-abortion. You're going to find very few people are pro-abortion. Very few. It just so happens the ones that are tend to work for major cable news networks and um, operate most of the editorial boards and faculty boards of major American universities. But very few people are in on the death cult. Like, in on it. The very few people are like, you know, Team Lucifer here. Very few. Very few's mascot is sulfur. Most people who are pro-choice are pro-choice because they've had an abortion in their past lives or caused someone to have one and they've not come to conviction but then healing at the same time. They've not truly understood the argument of what it is they're supporting, not been made to understand. um, Or... They have been fed sort of, you know, this postmodern notion of, I can't ever see myself doing this, but who am I to, you know, impose this view on someone else? And so what Nefarious does in this book, because see, Nefarious wants you to be pro-death. <laughs> He's in, he, 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 nefarious wants you to be pro-death. So he wants you to look into the mouth of madness and say, same. That's what he wants. So he's going to give it to you straight. No Todd with his feet up doing Barack Obama cool factor. We're not, we're not, we're not doing Abaddon unplugged. Dude, man, fire up the amps, bro. Is that freedom Rock? Turn it up. That's what we're going to do. You're getting the full money here. And what that does for people like Tina's mom who fashion themselves pro choice is it forces them to truly confront the choice they have been permitting all this time. Is this really what you're for? If it is speak now, if it's not speak now or forever, hold your peace because the killing continues. Dennis says, what are your thoughts if Trump were to decide that he's tired of being abused by the left in the media and he taps out for 2020? One, guys, let's take this as a group because he's got several options here. One, do you guys think there's any chance of this happening? No. Aaron says no. Todd?
4: Increasingly no. Increasingly no.
2: I, I, I think in general, it is wise to not invoke absolutism where Donald Trump is concerned. Just as a general rule. Think that's fair?
4: Yes. So my answer. Except would, for just being a jackass. Yeah, then
2: that's absolutely. Well, and and some jackass could say, Steve, you just told us never to impose absolutism. I was just Trump thinking
3: that, but I decided, that an absolute? Not, I decided not to derail this conversation.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I would come back with, in general, in general, it's best to never, And the fact that that statement in and of itself is a fallacy, if that's not observational purity for the era in which we live, there you go. In general, it's best to never do something. That's a pretty good rule for the Trump era. In general, never. <laughs> Sometimes, always. <laughs> All right. Um, in general, absolutism is probably best not to do. So my answer would be yours. I think that's increasingly unlikely. And I think the odds have gone down. Whatever you thought they were prior to three weeks ago Sunday. Correct. They have gone down ninety percent, I think, since then. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, I think we're in the I think we're into decimal points right now. I mm-hmm. mean, you're talking about a guy, you know, I once told him to his face, you are literally the most likable narcissist I have ever met, okay? So he has, he has gotten the ultimate validation. Now, for those of us who don't know what it's like to go through the richest district on planet Earth and see our name plastered on most of the buildings there, we would look at that and say, dude, quit while you're ahead. Walk away while you got scoreboard, Right that's one of the reasons why we don't have our names plastered in all those buildings. We, he, the, 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 the bravado that it takes to, for that to happen never believes and quit while you're ahead. If you've listened to our, or watched our show, we talk sports with Kurt Schilling that I do with him every day. And he talks about the greatest athlete he ever saw in person, his whole career. And he's going to the hall of fame one day, guys, maybe as soon as next January. Kurt said the greatest athlete he's ever seen was Randy Johnson. His former teammate with the Arizona Diamondbacks, just just the most dominant force of nature that he put other great athletes on their heels. He intimidated them. And you got you you've been in here when Kurt and I have taped this show, Aaron. You produce that show every day. Yeah. What does Kurt always say about Randy Johnson? He was also the what?
3: Most miserable human being he's ever heard. Yeah.
2: Most insecure, miserable person he ever he, he, teammate he ever had. He'd go out there and and he he'd go out there for the first inning and be like, I don't have my stuff today. Punch out 16 guys. And then he's like, oh, man, I I don't think I was very good, was I? Basically, he'd go back into the clubhouse and he'd be like, did these jeans make my butt look big? And Kurt's like, I have to do so much more work than you to punch out 12 guys, (laughs) okay? And when you have that sort of bravado, on one hand, there is, on the other, insecurity there. Why does, why did Michael Jordan always talk about, man, no one respects us. You're like, um, you've been on the cover of sports illustrated 35 times. And that was just this year. Okay. (laughs) Because it's the Aaron Rodgers story, your quarterback. We've talked about recently somewhere inside there is the kid who never got affirmed, who was never good enough. And that's one of the core drivers here. So, You don't go through having the greatest achievement of your life, acquiring the presidency, a hostile takeover of the presidency of the United States, and then having it questioned for two years. You didn't do that. See what I did there? You didn't do that. Um, You don't let that happen for two years. Get the ultimate validation from the source you never saw it coming from. And then turn around and say, I'm good. Oh, maybe that's how people in a nice place like Iowa think. But that's not how the shark infested waters. The great white shark never says, I'm full. Okay. The great white shark stops feeding because a greater white shark has come into the habitat. But when the great white shark doesn't see a greater white shark, it keeps what? Feasting. Right? So I I think it's decimal points low. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So for fun, let's look at the rest of his questions for fun. Let's assume he did move on. Dennis wants to know, would there be anyone else on the radar who would be a potential replacement besides Pence? At this point, the answer would be, I I, don't know. No, I think resoundingly no. Nikki Haley. you think I don't think she could mount a successful campaign this late in the game. No. No, I don't think so.
4: Mm. You disagree? And that's okay yeah. if you do. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: Actually, do you think she would, given how, why she has spent her political capital, do you think she would say, because I could see it both ways. I could see her saying, it's a little bit like the old Jerry Tarkanian line, the old UNLV coach, when he used to, Brag about recruiting guys who had committed to other schools. He's like, well, now I just know there's only one other school I got to beat, right? <laughs> so if you're Nikki Haley, I could kind of see you want to go to a clean field. Yeah. On the other hand, a clean field means there's going to be more candidates. Or do you want to be the only non pensian candidate taking on the system? I could, I could see the argument going both ways,
4: right? Yeah, and I think she's enough of a power house, even if she doesn't uh, roll snake eyes. She's formidable enough that she's the obvious VP. I mean, I don't think she has anything to lose by running.
3: Aaron, I would agree with that for the most part. But I, yes, if, the Pence part if, or the Haley part. The, ha- the Haley part. Okay. Um, with with yeah, with what Todd just said, the, the the problem is we don't know when this would be. I mean, if this was like tomorrow, Haley would have probably enough time. But we're talking about some unknown point in the future. Uh, and so, I think that hedging your bets against Haley, I think, would probably be wise. Then, Dennis's final final
2: question here: If these events went down, do you think what chances do you think the Republicans would have of defeating the Democrats? Um, I think it would. Uh, there's a lot of the one thing the Democrats are going to do, regardless, is present. The furthest leftist face to the American people they've ever seen, and they're going to do it in the name of a candidate who, when you look at this field, there is nobody that can do your what your impersonation of a Barack Obama can do. Yep. Beto O'Rourke is trying to do it, but he's also doing it as a white guy. It is very awkward, and 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 it comes across as an unless you are in on his worldview. If you're in on his worldview, you find it adorable. But I can tell you there's going to be a lot of people, including a lot of people who don't like Trump, who aren't in on his worldview. And it's going to look like a caricature to them, like some like a guy who's trying a little too hard. Okay. Um. So that's going to be their constant. They They have already shown. Because keep in mind, and here's why I say the die is cast on that. We haven't even gotten to the real competitive part of their process yet, guys. Like their debates haven't even begun yet. So look at how crazy left they are right now when they really haven't started in earnest turning on and competing with one another. When they're really going to pull out the rulers, drop trowel, and start measuring each other, right? That hasn't even started yet. And look how far left they are. How much further will they go once that process and the media starts getting involved daily and setting the agenda begins in earnest? And so, in a way, that almost makes that 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 has to be into the calculus of what would happen in your circumstance. You got to factor that in as well. Hey, last year, the Manhattan District Attorney's Office released a grand jury report noting that law enforcement had received upwards of 2,000 complaints of deed fraud. And most of them involved a faulty notarization, meaning somebody attempting to forge their way onto your home's title. Problem was so bad, this grand jury report even described it as an epidemic. Criminals are now looking for vulnerable properties. Scammers are pouring through the obits looking for... Vulnerable home titles, and you know this is the most valuable investment the vast majority of Americans will ever own is our own home. Don't let this happen to you, especially when for just pennies a day, our friends at Home Title Lock will make sure that it won't. They will put a virtual barrier around your home's title and mortgage. You can go to HomeTitleLock.com right now and register your home to learn if your title has already been targeted, compromised, stolen. That's normally a $100 value, but it's a free title scan and report uh, for our audience today at The Blaze at HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Any final words today, gentlemen?
4: Uh, I feel like I get on Christmas a little bit, even though what I just said about uh, Star Wars, you I'm can't about wait to watch, watch this the
3: trailer. Last, yeah. Yeah. trailer. As yeah. soon as I say goodbye to Ron, if I remember to, I'm rolling that trailer. <laughs>
2: Everybody have a great... Weekend. We'll see you again on Monday, John 317.
1: This is Steve
0: Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.